The Viewpoint on SAFM. Welcome back. It's uh, 12 minutes past eight. You're listening to The Viewpoint with me, Khomoto KG Mwegeti, in for Songheza today. Uh, it's time for the weekend wrap, and uh, we are joined on the line by uh, Sanusha Naidu, Senior Research Fellow from uh, the Institute for Global Dialogue. Uh, Sanusha, good evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, the hashtags today, uh, the, hash- the first hashtag is uh, hashtag ANC Step Aside. Uh, mm-hmm. The second hashtag is hashtag Zulu Queen. The third hashtag is hashtag India. The fourth hashtag is hashtag Workers' Day Celebrations. You can choose which one of those four contentious issues you want to deal with first. Uh, Good evening, KG, and good evening to your listeners. It's been a packed weekend, I have to say. I mean, just looking at the weekend newspapers, it was very hard not to to see that, you know, the president's appearance before the Zondo Commission captured a lot of the headline news. But it also coincided with the with the hashtag step aside issue, because I think the deadline for the actual step aside implementation of the rule was uh, Friday. Mm-hmm. Or uh, there's a bit of confusion, you know, if it was Thursday or Friday. I mean, there was a bit of confusion there. But I think the bigger confusion reigned with the fact that uh, there was a, a loss in translation in in terms of what the rule meant mm. uh, in its implementation. And so that, that, you know, this is where we are today, Monday, and it's just the beginning of the week. But I think it's going to be a very long week because the consultations seem to be ongoing and never ending mm. in terms of this rule. But also there's a loss in translation. You know, the the idea that who steps aside, on what basis do they step aside? And then there's this whole thing around the former Premier of the Northwest as well, and whether the Secretary General of the ANC could exercise his powers in lifting that suspension. Mm. So it seems to be quite a quite a convoluted set of issues with that hashtag. And then of course you can't ignore, you know, the the the, the, the sad news on the passing away of the Regent Queen. Mm. And mm. that has been really capturing headlines, not just, uh, I think, uh, over the weekend, but really in the context of what is, what's unfolded today and the speculation, which I don't think we should even think about getting involved in because we have no clue yeah. around that. But definitely yeah. it's a sad day for, for the Amazulu nation. Yeah. Um, and of course, we know she will be buried uh, this week at uh, Nongoma in northern Natal. But then uh, for, subsequent to that is clearly there's lots of infighting about who ends up becoming king. It's a, it's a really, really big issue, I think, you know, and, and you know, the, the idea is the processes that now unfold because she was serving as the regent queen, mm-hmm. uh, are following the death of the Amazulu king. And I think, you know, this now really throws everything into out of kilter in the context of what the process would be, because it's a, it's a very complex process, and I don't want to get into it because I don't want to uh, essentially misrepresent what is a complex process. But just standing on the side and looking from outside within, you can you can see that it complicates everything now around this whole succession issue. Mm. And more importantly, you know, you've got the the court battles, the legal battles that are also uh, percolating on the side mm-hmm. uh, with regard to the question around the the legality of the will and whether you know the person who was supposed to have been the the regent queen or taken or uh, the succession issue is being debated in one court uh, battle and then there's the other one around uh, questions around allocation of 
funds or whatever. So mm. there's all, all these complexities that, that surround and, and make the situation much more complicated in going forward. Yeah. And then there's the pain of the hashtag India. I oh, mean, yeah. uh, it is it is not managing COVID-19 in any way, all the deaths. Um, the India Premier League is being affected by the second wave. Uh, Australia mm. banned travelers from India and that travel ban apparently started today. It is devastation all round. Absolutely. I don't think we've ever seen numbers of this caliber. Uh, I think uh, Saturday, May 1st, uh, it hit just under 400,000 new infections in a 24-hour cycle. Mm. And if you're looking at this, I think, you know, here is a serious lesson for us in South Africa to be prepared. Yeah. Uh, not to just make pay, pay lip service to a third wave that's potentially coming based on the NICD modeling and whatever the modeling that we saw today in the in, in the reports around Gauteng and the third wave being a, a bigger uh, threat in, in Gauteng. But we just got to be prepared and we got to be vigilant. And I think that's the lesson because we know India is a massive country. It's a it's a populous country in terms of its population, just around 1.3 billion. But it's also a major internal migration kind of process there. People are moving between cities. And I think for me, I'm going to be quite honest here, the recklessness of, of government in this whole pandemic in mm, India, in mm, the third, in the second wave. Mm. I think, you know, having some of those political rallies, hearing what's happening in the media, uh, and, you know, I was watching one of the listening post uh, programs over the weekend, and it was quite frightening to see that there's also this idea of trying to deny what's happening in the country mm. based on blacking out some of the issues and taking out, uh, bringing out some of the tweets. So social media is really where the empathy is lying, and people are actually, I have friends of mine who've been showing me posts and saying that they've been pleading to other friends to give them an oxygen tank. Wow, wow. And lastly, uh, Sanusha, uh, it's the hashtag Workers' Day celebrations. Of course, uh, the 1st of May is Workers' Day uh, and labor relations in South Africa are fraught and they're violent. Mm. Uh, And the tougher question is, what should we do about it? You know, uh, the reasons are multifold for why they're so fraught and why they're so violent. And the fault lies in Inevitably, perhaps, with with all the parties, uh, government, business, yeah. labor. Yeah, I, you know, it's, it, it, it was a very interesting Labor Day uh, speech, both by the president and the president of Kosatu. Uh, you you kind of got the sense that the president of Kosatu was, was hitting, hitting a hard-hitting speech to mm. the president, telling him, you know what, you need to get your house in order. Mm. But again, we come back to the really nitty-gritty issues, the real issues that are that are that are that are affecting workers on the ground. And mm. I think you know the question about you know what's happening with state-owned enterprises and people losing their livelihoods now. What's happening with regard to the wage negotiations with the public sector unions, and and then and the and, and what's happening with those negotiations? It's a very difficult situation because even if you look at today, the bus strike by the Metro bus. Uh, uh, drivers as well in Gauteng. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, it tells you they do, they're asking for something that is about a livable income mm. because it's not livable and they co- they're coming from a very low base. So I think our empathy with workers in South Africa has to be really on the side of understanding how much they earn and how, you know, if they think 18%, 18% from a low base. Yeah. Which means that even in terms of the fact that the, 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 the petrol price is coming down tomorrow, but it doesn't make a dent because Mm-mm. it's nine cents versus going up by about a, a rand and a bit in the last month. 
So I think, you know, you've you, you got to empathize with workers in this situation. And the fact of the matter is, with all the state irregularities, the fraud, the fraud of the, of the, of the uh, worker, of the uh, uh, UIF and other issues, I mean, you just see it's unconscionable, I have to say. So we invite you then to call us on 011-714-2006. Uh, we have a 90-second timer, as you know, or send your voice notes to 061-410-4107. And that voice note should be less than 50 seconds. Please keep your radio set off when you record uh, that uh, voice note. So the number to call in the studio, 714 or a 90, and make that a 90, remember you have a 90 second timer or send your voice note to 061-410-4107 and that voice note should be less than 50 seconds and please your radio set should be off when you call and remember Sanusha Naidu is staying with us on the line she's senior research fellow at the Institute for Global Dialogue we start with uh, Sakile in Durban of Guazul Natal Sakile hello how are you I'm very well the timer's on Ah, okay. Uh, you know, um, I'm, uh, we sympathize with the ANC employees, you know. Mm. Yeah, they don't have, they've been paid, you know, it's really, really bad. Yeah. Why you do know? you think the ANC is not able to pay its own bills or its own no. salaries? It, we don't know, man. These people, they, they can even steal from the public press. <laughs> <Yet we're laughs> I'm not <laughs> laughing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm in this News 24 reported that, you know, the president of the ANC and of the country just sold a kettle for two million. A, a kettle? A kettle, yes. Okay. His, his kettle, he has like a hobby for kettle, mm-hmm, which, mm-hmm. which have like big like horns, you know, they go about two million, some go one million. You, you mean like a bull? Those yes. bulls. Okay. Those bulls. Okay. So, and, so you, and you read these things. And then but you, then what is your expectation? Because that two million, if indeed, because I didn't read that story on News 24, isn't that about his own personal business though? Yeah, I'm just saying that, you know, as a worker okay. of the ANC, and then you read something like this, that okay. people in the same party have obscene wealth and you don't even have pay. Yeah. At the end of the month, it hurts. So, so your empathy is for NC, uh, people who work at the NC yes, at Lutuli yes, House. Yes, okay, yes, yes. thank you, Sakile. Thank you. thank you. Okay, we didn't talk about that, Sanusha. We didn't talk about the fact that the NC hasn't been able to pay its own bills. No, we haven't. But I think, you know, the idea that their own uh, employees are caught in the same uh, Quagmire. struggles of survival. Yeah, and are not being paid uh, is testimony to the situation we're seeing in the country. And I think what your caller was also referencing very, very importantly is inequality in the country mm-hmm. and how inequality actually is a serious, is, you know, it's a much more endemic issue in terms of if somebody is able to, and whether it's the president or anyone who's able to 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 make that kind of money, and you have these these massive amounts of of of, of pockets of, of people who are living in absolute poverty and just don't know where their next income is coming from. Yeah. And interestingly enough, Sanusha, uh, today, just today alone, uh, 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 Mr. Montana, former CEO of Prasa at the mm-hmm. State Capture mm-hmm. Commission, alluded to the fact that, no, 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 uh, contrary to what the president was saying when he appeared here uh, at the State Capture Commission last week, actually, there is an expectation for SOEs to almost contribute money to the ANC. Well, you know, that, that was fascinating because I caught, I caught 
tail bits of what you were saying. And essentially what he was arguing as well is he was talking about the fact that you have these massive dinners where people pay to be in those dinners. You buy a uh, table, a he table. says. Yes. yes, you buy a table. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, this is this can be dressed as fundraising and whatever. But I think it also brings it back home, KG, around the, what the president was saying at the State Capture Commission. And that is how political party funding is 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 is, is, is architected yeah. in a way. Yeah. What, what it constitutes. So, you know, the expectation as well is that, I mean, there's also the other element where provinces pay into Latuli House in terms of contesting elections or pay for, for elections yeah. uh, to the IEC. Now, that's also another avenue that is murky that needs to be unpacked. So I really think that, you know, as much as we, we this 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 ANC, uh, this uh, state capture commission is unearthing things that is going to be very very critical in the in the final report, but it's knocking on the ANC's door on some of these issues. Yeah, and uh, we have a voice note. Uh, good evening. Let's hear what you have to say. Good evening, comrade. With regard to India, I think Modi and the BJP regime is uh, are sectionalists, and uh, Sanusha will, must uh, attest to that. Uh, the point number two this morning uh, on the talking point, uh, there was a panel discussion with uh, Kes Kuvadia, uh, Matthew Parks and another business rep. I don't know where Kes Kuvadia fits in on worker interests because uh, we were unable to participate in that discussion. Uh, our voice calls and text messages weren't played by uh, Kathy Moshashana. Thanks, Frank Maritzberg. Evening, guys. Luzuba here from PE. Uh, two things on my part. Uh, firstly, the India and the handling of the virus. I just hope, I just hope and pray that the NCC will impose an immediate ban to and from India. We need to. We need to protect ourselves here at all costs. Uh, second issue is the ANC and the step aside issue. <laughs> Isn't it just um? Isn't it just amazing? Isn't it just a wonder uh, how you actually see these ANC cadres uh, and leaders scramble to protect themselves, to protect their corruption? Peter from Durban. Problem at the moment is that the ANC only thinks of themselves. They're not worried about this country. As soon as we get somebody into government that realizes that this country comes first and it's people we're going to be way way better off also why have we got curfew still it just doesn't make sense between this curfew and the lockdown it's killing jobs where we should be getting the economy going and everyone is just keeping quiet Good evening to you and your guests. You know, one cannot entirely blame the ANC for its failures. Citizens are equally to blame for the failures of the ANC. Thank you. From Chapter 2. Good evening, KG and uh, Sanusha. This is TKM Nambiti. Uh, mine is on the issue of uh, the Workers' Day. I was under the impression that at this age of 27 years of our democracy a lot was going to change around labor broking because that that is modern day slavery if you compare someone who is working employed by that particular company versus the one who's employed by the by the labor broker 
almost more than 25 percent of the of the of the salary of the, of the one who is employed by the labor broker is taken by the labor broker which is very unfair this practice must come to an end thank you very much this is tkm Nambit. thank you to everybody with uh, their voice notes uh, sanusha which one do you want to respond to first i think the last one mm-hmm. i really think tk has touched on an issue that really needed to be resolved. Yeah. It's an ongoing issue about labor brokering in the country. I mean, you've got a situation where the unemployment is in unprecedented historical uh, percentages. You've got uh, informal unemployment and youth unemployment that's just completely out of kilter with what's happening. And so you've still got these, these, these labor brokers, brokering houses or labor brokers who are essentially taking what is supposedly to be the, 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 the real income for workers. So I completely, you know, I agree with that. And and somehow in the discussion uh, in terms of where the narrative should be and where the policy implementation in outlawing some of these practices, uh, I would think that at this point in time, and he's quite right, 27 years later, we yeah. shouldn't be talking about it in, as, a, as an abstract. We should actually be saying we're implementing. Absolutely. And uh, is there any comment you have about uh, the point that uh, one of the voice notes said about uh, India? Yeah, I didn't catch what the, what it, it was kind of faint there. I didn't catch what the person was saying. I know it was something about I should attest to something. <laughs> I, I I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I read something that says even Uganda is uh, thinking of banning travelers from India. What do you make of that banning of travelers? I mean, you know, the point is that, of, of this is that you go into, you do what the rest of the world does. You know, you follow what the rest of the world does. You do it either in a harsh kind of travel ban or you don't. It doesn't really resolve the issue. Uh, it limits it and it creates a knock-on effect. But if somebody's already in the country, if we, if, if those WhatsApp, uh, which we now know were fake news, but, you know, if, 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 if we already know somebody is in the country, travel not necessarily from India, but in a roundabout way to South Africa, fr- being in contact with somebody else, you know, the multiplier effect. Yeah. So we're not sure whether that really works. And there was a point about I should talk about the Indian government and, and, and their role, I think. I don't know what the, what the, what the caller was trying to, to get to because I didn't pick up the, the point. But I think, you know, we, we know that how important leadership is. And we saw in the context of India, I think leadership in this case, they just dropped the ball in so many ways. Yeah, yeah. We've got uh, two more calls uh, before we let you go, Sanusha. Uh, Colin in Cape Town. Hi, Colin. Hi. What? Is that you, Patricia? Hi, Colin. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Yes. Good evening to your guest. You know, <laughs> the two million bull or cow what has ever sold us silver on the poles of. You know, I would love to know since 1994 how many agencies, if we can rec- uh, record it, and uh, go into the into the style of living. How many of them are millionaires? I think 95% of them are millionaires. Anyway, um, talking about now, the, I heard your caller talk about labor brokers. You know, I worked for Transnet for 45 years. I retired 12 years ago. And around about 2008, we started getting um, labor uh, brokers when we could not find suitable candidates internally. And you know something? I interviewed a few of them, and they were 
excellent people. They work for us. They work for Transnet. Now, labor brokers don't give you anybody. They don't know what they are doing. If you ask for a qualified nurse, they'll give you a doctor, moonlighting, whatever it is, or... Whatever you want. But the fact of the matter is uh, what the caller was saying is the large amount of the money that gets made goes to... to I'm coming to that. And we had a couple of guys there uh, in Transnet in Salt River, engineering. The labor brokers were taking from you a salary. They were taking only 8%. Not from his salary. Not from his salary. The railways, the Transnet, included that 8%. And he never lost. He never lost out. We had a few of them. And I'll tell you what, what excellent qualified guys those were. So labor brokers know if, gonna, if you ask for a, 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 a housekeeper or a nurse or something like that, they're not going to send you anybody. They're going to send you quality. Thanks, Patricia. Thank you very much, Colin. Ntlantla, you are our last caller. It, uh, Ntlantla, welcome. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Welcome. And uh, my issue is, is it still relevant for South Africans to commemorate the Workers' Day called May Day? I don't think I, it's called May Day. It's called Workers' Day in South Africa. Oh, yes, May yeah. Day, because it's the 1st of May, Workers' Day, of course. But is it relevant uh, when America or American workers are not observing that day, which happened in Chicago, when we have got our own day here in South Africa, the August 16, when workers in Marikana were killed by the Democratic government, demanding that they be paid uh, uh, 12500 you know, and then the police, under the leadership of the African National Congress, killed those workers, and we don't observe and commemorate that day the bravery of the workers who were prepared to stand against uh, the capitalist uh, uh, mine workers, mine owners. But the government decided to send the police to kill those workers. They interfered and killed them, and we don't celebrate as a holiday. Mm. And we are saying, as the People's Revolutionary Movement, the call that AMCO is making is relevant to South Africa and to South African workers that we need to rally around that call that we need to celebrate. Your, your, 90, seconds, your 90 seconds is done, Tlantla. But uh, interesting points, uh, Sanusha, as we round off. Uh, Colin maintains, if you're looking for competency, you will find it from people who are brought by labor brokers. And Tlantla is saying the day to be commemorated is August 16th because of what happened in Marigana. Yeah, I, I think on the on the labor broker issue, it depends which labor broker you're using. It depends which part of the value chain you're using them in, and it depends on company uh, processes and protocols and how they adhere to it. I think for the majority of South African workers who are basically not necessarily in that formal structure or don't have the necessary skills, you get these labor brokers that essentially exploit these workers. And I think that's the point to make about that, about labor brokering. We're not saying it's all bad, mm. but sometimes it's, it's talent scouting as well. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. And so we've got to understand that, you know, at the end of the day, 
for the majority of South African workers, uh, they get exploited by talent scouts who come and promise them, and they are desperate individuals, labor, uh, desperate workers looking for jobs. Whether we need to commemorate August 16th or change the date, I don't think it changes the, con- the substantive issues that we are talking about in South Africa. I think the symbolism of Workers' Day and, and, and importantly, these are things that have just continued in the, in the kind of, of the historical narrative around supporting these international perspectives on, the, on workers of the world, etc. But I do think that one of the things that we haven't done is recognize what those workers on at Americana lost their lives for. Mm-hmm. And we're still grappling with that substantive structural issue of, 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 of labor discrimination and, and, and questions of people's livelihoods, which hasn't been addressed in the, in the broader context of the Marikana Commission of Inquiry. I cannot let you go without uh, asking how you see the issue of the NWC going this weekend with the ANC and the step aside. Do you think people are going to step aside or not? I think people are going to use the court to, to challenge it. They've already started their court proceedings. The mm. battle lines have been drawn. Mm. It's going to be a protracted issue. I think the NWC, was, uh, in, in terms of its meeting today, there was speculation that there was going to be some discussion with the Northwest province around the former premier and what's going on there and asking to step aside. They're going nowhere right now, AKG. Yeah. They are basically sticking to their guns. It's a fight to the end. It's a major struggle because they are major states involved and it's about how people secure their material interest in the party. How people secure their material interest in the party. Sanusha, thank you. Sanusha Naidu is a senior research fellow at the Institute for Global Dialogue. We appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Good evening and thank you for the show and lovely to be on it as usual. Thank you. So we come back to talk uh, whistleblowers in South Africa. Listen, recent developments in the country's efforts to combat corruption in both the public and private sectors have highlighted the risks uh, that whistleblowers uh, and their livelihoods uh, have to sustain. Remember the story of Ethel Williams, who during his testimony at the State Capture Commission said that he was unemployed, but not only that, he had ultimately become unemployed employer bull since he blew the whistle on uh, the hollowing out of the South African Revenue Service and it is so worrying that you whistle blow and end up not being able to get the job and most recently of course Musila Mutebu uh, blew the whistle on what was happening at Trillion and has also shared a similar experience saying she was she ended up being treated like a leper after blowing the whistle she's written a book of course and uh, has spoken publicly about about it. Uh, you know, if you're a South African and you're thinking of whistleblowing, is, are these cases things that are going to inspire or uninspire you uh, to blow the whistle? So we're going to have a conversation with corporate investigations and forensic lawyer at International Law Firm, CMS South Africa, Zahir Mohammed. Uh, Zakir, I'm sorry, Zakir Mohammed. According to him, South Africa boasts among the most robust and comprehensive whistle, whistleblower legislation in the world, yet whistleblowing has become a life-threatening exercise in South Africa.